Welcome to the vineyard. It's good to have you here. This is so good. It's good. Awesome. I'm excited about kicking off this series on um, the victorious secrets. <laughs> the victorious series. Victorious series. Every, I don't know how, I, I literally was preparing for this. I kept saying victorious secrets. Kim got me in the habit of doing that. It's crazy. Victorious Secrets. <laughs> Freudian slip. My wife said it for the first time last week, and it got in my head, and I couldn't get it out. Victorious Series. Victorious Series. Anyways, um, I'm excited about it. So if you haven't signed up for a house group, we just really encourage you to do so. It's, um, this will be awesome, awesome, coming together and just learning how do we walk victoriously through life. That's what really what we're, what we're talking about. Okay, We're going to be looking at, over the course of the, uh, the next few weeks, about the tests of Christ, the six tests of Christ. There's some themes of the tests of Christ. And we're going to be looking at those tests, watching how Jesus navigated, right? Navigated through those tests, Okay, not to just walk, not to just survive, but to thrive, right? To see the kingdom advanced in fullness of power and glory and splendor. And uh, speaking of tests, I, um, I have a, a confession to make. I don't know if I've ever told anybody this, but when I was in eighth grade, Mrs. Kramus, Mrs. Kramus was my eighth grade teacher, and um, I was taking this spelling test. Well, I got hundreds on all my spelling tests. I just never missed a spelling test. And so this test, she goes, okay, get a piece of paper out, pencil. It's time to take a test. I'm like, <gasps> I forgot to study for the spelling test. You know what I mean? It's like the only test I ne- you know, didn't study for or whatever. And I'm like, I'll be fine. So start taking the test. I got like two out of ten. I mean, I, I bombed it. It was awful. Right? It was like the only time, I, and I'm like sweating bullets the whole time. So I'm so nervous. I'm so a wreck about this. I don't turn my paper in. Like, I'm, I, I, I put that thing away, and, you know, they click, collect all the papers and, like, throw that sucker in the trash. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, I was so distraught about this. A couple of weeks later, Miss Kramus comes up to me. You got to know Miss Kramus. She was just a, de- a doll, but she wasn't the sharpest. Well, anyways. So Miss Kramus comes up to me and says, John, I'm missing one of your spelling tests. And I say, yeah. And she's like, ah, I probably lost it. I'll give you 100. And she puts it down. And I'm like, I said this was a confession. I didn't say this was like, I didn't say this was like my bragging moment. I said this was a confession. Okay, 13-year-old kid. I'm like, oh, I get out of get out of jail free card, right? Get out of jail free card. Man, I tell you, so that's, you know, wouldn't we like to have like a test like that in life where we get to skip it and get 100? Wouldn't that be awesome, right? Does that ever really happen? No, right? It never happens, right? But a lot of us like kind of buy into this concept or this idea that when we come to Jesus, everything's good. There are going to be no tests. There's not going to be any trials. There's not going to be any attacks, right? And we start getting in this mindset that, you know, if we're under attack or we're experiencing attack, we must have done something wrong. Or, you know, God doesn't love us anymore. 
right? And we said, God, what are you doing to me? You know what I mean? We start getting mad. We start getting disappointed. We start getting frustrated instead of learning how to walk victorious through life. What did Jesus say about this? Well, John 16 says this. Jesus says, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Josh talked about this last week, about how we live in a, in a, in a world that there's kingdoms in conflict, right? There's, spiritual, there's a spiritual battle that is raging. Even right now, as we're in this room, there's a war that's taking place between good and evil, right? And when you declare Jesus is Lord, you've declared what side you're on, right? And there's going to be attacks, and there's going to be battles, and there's going to be trials, that's exactly what Jesus promised us. But he said, take heart, I have overcome the world. In Acts chapter 14, the apostles, this is how the apostles, listen to this, this is how the apostles encouraged each other. It says, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many trials we must enter the kingdom of God. Through many trials we must enter the kingdom of God. Right? That's how they encouraged each other. That's how they encouraged each other. James 1 says this, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So it actually says that it is through trials that our faith is actually perfected. That we come into the fullness and the completeness of our destiny and our calling as we walk through and as we navigate these tests and trials and attacks from the enemy and from the world. Peter says it in this way. In this you rejoice, though for now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by many various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So as we navigate these tests and trials, it actually brings praise and glory to Jesus Christ, to the revelation of Jesus Christ. Peter goes on to say this, Beloved, I love this, this is, this is like, I love this phrase. I mean, I just could see Peter writing this, right? what he's thinking in his head and this kind of expression on his face. He says, Do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. <laughs> Don't be surprised. I mean, how many of us respond when we're like shocked? We're like, oh my gosh, I thought, you know, God, what are you doing to me? Why did you leave me? Right? That's how we respond. Peter says, Don't be surprised. Don't be shocked when you come across trials and attacks and the, the testing of your faith. So it's not if you're tested, it's when you're tested. And we need to learn that if we learn to, to respond in faith, if we respond the way Jesus responds to these tests, that it's actually going to cause us to increase in our spiritual walk, increase in the kingdom, increase in our faith, in the perfection of our character and who we are in Christ. 
They reveal what's really inside of us. And if we allow those to, to not, like, not attack our identity, because our identity is rooted and grounded in who Christ is, but if we allow those to wash over us, the Lord will cleanse us and strengthen us and equip us so that we can fight the good fight of faith. See, one of the things, and I can't dive into this right now, but Romans 8 says that God is for us who can be against us. So I want to get this in your head over the next course of the next six weeks as we're going through this. That God does not allow a battle that he has not equipped us to win. God has not allowed a battle that he has not equipped us to win. Victorious, this series is about preparing our hearts for the battle. To navigate successfully the tests of life. The key is, is that we need to predecide. Right? That we're going to listen to our Father. That we're going to follow His voice. And that we're going to walk with Him through any trial and any situation, wherever He takes us. So, over the course of the next six weeks, the victorious tests of Christ. We're going to be talking about today the test of identity. And then the next week, the test of power, the test of betrayal the test of obedience, the test of crushing, and then the test of joy. And so I'm excited about, I'm excited about for me, I'll be honest. I'm excited about for you, but I'm excited about for me. Because I'm excited, because I, I, only you can walk out your life. I can't walk out your life for you, right? But I'm excited about how I'm going to learn how to partner with the Holy Spirit in terms of navigating these tests so that I can walk victoriously in Christ. So let's, let's begin. Let's dive into the test of identity. If you want to turn with me to Matthew chapter 3. Verse 13 through 17. Matthew 3, 13 through 17. It says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and are you coming to me? But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so for now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him, and suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. I think it's very, it's very important that this occurred when it occurred, right? That, that the Father speaks upon His Son. He speaks over His Son. And He declares, This is my Son, in whom I am well pleased. This is a completely unconditional statement because Jesus had done nothing up to this point. Had done nothing in terms of ministry. Had done nothing in terms of leading people or or the releasing of the kingdom. He had done nothing. And yet the Father speaks over him. This is my son in whom I am. I, I, I find great pleasure in who you are. You are my delight. You are my delight. That's what the Father declares over Jesus. Now, I want to just pause for a moment because we've been talking about this, but, and I'm not going to dive into this, but I just want to make this statement. Jesus is perfect theology, okay? Jesus is fully God, 
and fully man. We've been talking about this, right? He's fully God, right? So when we want to look at the character, at the nature of who God is, we look at Jesus. We look at Jesus. He is the, he's the exact representation of who the Father is and how he, how he looks upon us and interacts with us and his character and his nature. But also, Jesus is the Son of Man. He is, he is perfectly, he is fully man, right? So he is the exact representation of how we're supposed to walk in, in the earth, right? So the question is, the, the question that is, what would Jesus do is a, is a valid question. What would Jesus do? We're supposed to be following in his footsteps. And how Jesus navigates life is how we're called to navigate life. And so we're going to look at how Jesus navigates the test of identity against him. So what we see here is that Jesus first, he surrenders. The first thing that he does is he says, no, let this happen. Right? This is good. And that, that's how the kingdom begins. It begins with surrender. Right? We give Father our yes. And I don't know where you're at. Maybe, maybe you haven't done that yet, but I would just encourage you to do so. Give Father your yes. Give him your yes. It's not a religious statement. It's not about going to church. It's not about what church you go to. It's about giving Father your yes and surrendering your life. Lord, I want to make you the Lord of my life. I want to follow in your footsteps. I want you, I want you give me the desires of my heart. The Bible calls this repentance, and it's turning our hearts to him and giving him our yes. But this is the reality, that every time we surrender, right? Because surrendering is not just, it, giving Father our yes is just not a one-time thing. This is a daily activity in the walk of a believer. Giving him our yes. Yes, Father. What would you have me to do today? Yes, Father. So we give him our yes. But this is the reality that whenever we surrender, it always draws the spirit of revelation. When Jesus gave him his yes, what happened? The spirit of revelation came on him, and he hears the voice from heaven saying, You are my son, in whom I am well pleased. And the Lord wants to speak that over all of us in this room. He wants to speak over us our identity and who we are in him. Who we are and whose we are. That we belong to him. That he's smiling upon every one of us. He thinks about you. That he's that he's smiling, he gets excited when he thinks about you, that he's constantly on, our, on his heart. His thoughts are always for us and never against us. And so this surrender always draws this spirit of revelation, right? And so this comes, into his, comes upon Jesus. And then from there, he, 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 the Father declares over him who he is, his identity, and then the Holy Spirit leads him into the wilderness. He takes him in, in, in uh, Matthew chapter 4. He's led into the wilderness where he is tempted, right? And this is where the testing begins. This is where the testing begins. And Satan comes to him and says, if you are the Son of God, turn these stones into bread. If you are the Son of God, throw yourself off of this precipice and let the angels keep you. If you really are the Son of God, right? And this isn't just, this is ongoing throughout Jesus' life. The, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees were constantly questioning his identity, right? People were constantly, are you really? Wait a minute, you're Mary and Joseph's son. You're the Son of God? Then at the cross, you think about this all the way through, through his life in Matthew 27, if you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. 
That's what the people declared over Jesus. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. If you really are. This constant questioning of identity, right? And listen, this is the world, this is the same world that Jesus lived in is the same one that we're in right now. And there's this constant attack on you as a person in terms of your greatness, in terms of your calling, in terms of your identity and who you are in Christ. All of that, as you're, we're being attacked constantly over and over again. So it's important that we learn to navigate this. We learn to walk through this successfully. See, the spirit of, of revelation will always draw the attacks of the enemy. Right? The spirit of revelation will always draw the attacks of the enemy against our identity. Whether it's demonic or whether it's from the world. And how did Jesus respond? How did Jesus respond? It is written. It is written. Man shall not live from bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. It is written. It is written. It is written. It is written. I think it's interesting. Why didn't Jesus say, well, my father said, I am his son in whom he is well pleased. I think that's interesting. Because a lot of you are probably going, well, if, if God would have showed up and said that over me, then I could navigate any identity test. But that's not how Jesus responded. He responded with the written word of God. The same word of God that all of us have access to. It's the same word. He was giving us an example of how to navigate this. He said, it is written, it is written, it is written. If we want to navigate the tests of identity to fulfill our destiny, we must know this word of God. We must know it. We must study it. We must get it into our spirit. This word of God must, must have a higher place over every feeling, over every emotion, over every other voice in our life. The word of God must be above all of that. And if there's ever anything that contradicts that, right? How many people, raise your hand, if you've had any emotions that contradicted the word of God? That's right. I knew that. It was going to happen. That was a, right? We've all, right, have had that. We all, we, yesterday we probably had that. Yesterday we probably didn't feel like a son. We didn't feel like a daughter. We didn't feel like we were the chosen ones, the priests of the most high God, the ambassadors of Christ. I get it. But what are we going to do? Are we going to let our emotions rule us or are we going to let the word of God? Jesus said it is written. We must know and abide and remember the words of our Father. Jesus said, if you abide in me, right? If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will bear much fruit. What is he talking about there? He's talking about abiding in the love of God. Abiding. Some of my prayer times are, are like this. It's like, God, I, remind me how much you love me. Remind me, Lord. Right? I need to know. I need to know. You need to be filled up. You need to be saturated with the love of God and how crazy he is, he is about you. God, remind me how crazy you are. I want to I see your face, how, how much joy you have when you look at me. 
Listen, if you don't have that, then, then that, that's an attack upon your identity because that's who the Father is. He's constantly rejoicing over us. He's constantly for us. He's constantly with us, whether we feel it or not. We've got to get back to this childlike faith that, that says it's the same way that we got saved it says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. It doesn't just stop there. That's when you get born again. But we got to confess and confess and confess. It's a childlike grabbing hold of the word of God. Jesus said, you must become like a little child if you're going to enter into the kingdom. And this is what that childlike faith looks like. It's wrapping your arms around the word and saying, this is who I am. I don't care what I feel. I don't care what I'm going through. I don't care that I just failed this test, or I failed that, or I screwed this up, or I yelled at that person. Oh, Lord, forgive me, but I am a child of the King. The Bible says that we're seated with Christ in heavenly places. We're seated with Him in heavenly places. Is that how we pray? We're seated. We're on the throne with Him in heavenly places. Do we pay, pray from that position when we enter into situations and the circumstances? The Bible says we're ambassadors of Christ. We're his ambassadors, representatives of who Jesus is, his nature and his character and his love. We're images of God, made in his image. And God is love, so therefore, I'm a lover. Of, I'm a lover. We're called to be lovers. Childs of the king. I am his beloved child, his beloved child. His favor rests on me. His favor rests on you. And it's never going to change. And it has nothing to do with ministry or, or what you do or don't do. It's a part of your identity as a person, as a born-again new creation in Christ Jesus. We're the righteousness of God. We are called to heal the sick. He said, this is what he said, you can go and you can heal the sick. You can raise the dead. You can cast out demons. You can cleanse the lepers. He said, the works that I did, you're going to do even greater works than that. He said that to every one of us in this room. If he said it, I believe it, and that settles it. I might not be very good at it, but that's, that's, that's me, right? That's my responsibility, not him. Christ lives in me. I'm a temple of the Holy Spirit. Come on. This is how Jesus fought. This is how Jesus lived. Believe me, when he was starving, when he, I, I, I fasted. Probably shouldn't talk about this. I am not a very good faster. I'm a grouch. I am not fun to be around. I just want to sleep. It's just, it's awful. I, I hope I don't ever have to fast again. I hope God says, don't ever do that again. I'm not, I'm not honest. I hate fasting, okay? I hate, I love food. I hate fasting. Oh, gosh. So Jesus is in this awful place, and he, how does he respond in the midst of it? It is written. He wasn't feeling it. It is written. It is written. It isn't written. That's how we need to respond. It has to govern our life. 
But listen, a lot of us got that, okay? A lot of us can get to this place. Everybody, it's like nodding your head, you're with me, all right? This is where it gets challenging. If you really want to come into your identity, if you really want to walk out identity in who you have been made to be, you've got to do the next steps, because these steps are kind of easy. You know, surrender, I shouldn't say that, but everyone, a lot of us in this room, we've surrendered Right? Spirit of revelation, we know that we're children of God. We've read the word, we're excited about the word, we're trying to get the word in us. We're probably in, in the middle of that whole thing. But this next step, what does Jesus do next? It doesn't stop there. He goes to Nazareth and he preaches his first message. He preaches his first message. And he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to set the captives free, to heal the sick, blah, 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 blah. And everyone goes, Jesus, you're so awesome. That's amazing. I knew you had it in you, right? Everyone got so excited. Jesus, this is Mary and Joseph's son. That's Mary and Joseph's son. He's so awesome. He's going to do so many amazing things. I'm so excited about him. No, Jim's going, no, that's not what happened, right? They, they, tried, they ushered him out of the temple, right, in Nazareth, and they were going to throw him off the cliff. First, you know, now how would we respond in that? How would have I responded if the first message I preached, they were like, get him out of here, Parker? Yeah, Exactly. You'd be like, I'm done. I'm never preaching another word, right? I mean, come on, right? That's what he, he would, we'd have freaked out. God, I thought you said I was your son. I thought you said you're with me. Where's your favor, right? I mean, this is our response, right? Come on, this is how we respond. Things go, don't go south. Things don't go our ways. You know, we, things happen and we're like, God, where are you? I thought, I thought, you said this, you said this. I thought you would be with me. Sounds like Gideon to me. There's another story. The angel of the Lord, a divine visitation. The angel of the Lord shows up with, to Gideon and says this, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. The Lord is with you. So the angel sits down. He's seeing the angel of, come on now. He's seeing the angel of God. Picture this with me. He says, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. And how, what does Gideon say? Oh Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles, which our fathers told us about, saying, did not the Lord bring us from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands. Wow. Just sounding like anybody I know. Yeah, that kind of hits a little bit home, right? In terms of how we respond in difficult tests and trials and tribulations and blah, blah, blah. See, we, we design, we, so many of us, right, when we get rejected or when things come against us and we're experiencing that at God and we, get, we, and we allow this disappointment to separate us from a relationship with Him, right? And we go, oh wait, and, and we start... We start thinking less of who we are. And we start thinking less of who God is. And all of this stuff. 
And that's exactly what the enemy wants to do. Because he knows that if he can, if he can isolate you from God and get between him, and if, you can, uh, um, if he can tear down your understanding of who you really are in the word of God, then he can win, that he can, he can freeze you and, 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 and take over and take territory from us in the kingdom of God. I call this displaced responsibility. Now, I think it's interesting how much grace God showed Gideon in that situation because he just basically ignored everything he said and just said, go, fight the battle, I've, I've anointed you, right? And eventually, Gideon, it says the Holy Spirit put him on like a glove. He was clothed with power and he destroyed the Midianites. It's called displaced responsibility. So we don't understand that God has positioned us and that God has equipped us for victory in the midst of that attack, in the midst of that circumstance, right? We fail to understand that maybe we're crying out to God and we're complaining to God, and he's like, hey, I've already equipped you to win this battle. The reason why so many of us complain is that we do not believe that God is with us, that God is for us, and that God has equipped us to win the battle. Just kind of, why are we complaining? Because we don't believe that God is with us, that God is for us, and that God has equipped us to win the battle. Listen, I, this hits home with me because I, I recently, I, I can't name any names and circumstances, but let me just say that I went through a, I, I've gone through a season of difficult circumstances, relationally with people and circumstantially and in, in different things, and it's not in my family, it's outside, it's in, a, in an environment. Excuse me. And I was, I was just like Gideon, I was complaining, God, I thought you said your favor was with us. I thought you'd be with me. I don't see this, I don't see breakthrough. I mean, why, why? I, and, and it's a situation where I don't have any control. I can't do anything, right? It's not my, I don't have, I'm, I'm relationally connected into that circumstance, but I can't do anything. And the Lord put his finger on me and he was like, I've equipped you to win and be victorious in this battle. And I'm like, Lord, how have, I, how, how have you equipped me? And all of a sudden I'm going like, wait a minute, for the last three years, what have I been teaching you? I've been teaching you how to pray for people. For, I went to Sockham, and I, I, I don't know, I, the Lord has been grooming me and showing me, and I've been walking and walking and walking and learning to do exactly what Jesus did. Every town he went into, what did he do? He prayed for people. How did he serve people? He prayed for people. He brought the kingdom. How? By praying, by declaring. And I'm like, oh, God. And so I went to that person that I was struggling with, that I was, uh, was butting heads with, and I said, I'm sorry, but I haven't prayed for you. And, I, and, I, and the Lord opened up a door, and I said, I'm going to pray for you. I want to pray for you. And I, thanked, I said, God, I thank you for this guy. I thank you for, that you have put him into this position. And I bless him, Lord. And I just started praying over him. And I started praying wisdom and, and, and into him. And we left that room, and he was just like, oh, thank you, John. He was so grateful. Just because all I did was humble myself and pray. Instead of trying to control it in my human strength, I released it to God and I started to enter in and, and, and use the things that he has equipped me to use. Yeah. 
See, maybe God's waiting for you to step into who you are, into your circumstance, into your situation. That's what he's waiting for. See, so many of us, listen, I, this, I, I've, been, I've been taking on this mantle, and I, I'm going to share this with you, all right? I haven't seen this. This is, this is a humble place of John Richter, okay? But I'm praying for revival. And pray, who, how many people have been praying for revival for Oxford? Raise your hand. There we go. Right, right. I've been, I'm in that prayer room, and I'm like going, God, show up. God, show up. God, show up. And I'm praying for revival, and I'm praying, God, Oh, releasing of your, I want to see transformation, God. I want to see souls radically saved coming into the kingdom of God. And I feel the, whole, the tug of the Holy Spirit. It's like, when am I going to step in and start being the revival? When am I going to be doing that? When, he needs somebody to step in. He needs a Gideon. He needs, well, look at Philip. Right? Do you see Philip going to Samaria and going, standing outside in the scouts, outskirts of Samaria going, Lord, save the city. Save. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. We've been in those prayer meetings, and I'm not saying prayer meetings are bad. They're awesome. But at some point, someone's got to be the revival. Someone's got to have the, the, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit inside of them to change the atmosphere of that city, of that community, of that place. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's now. It's not like five years from now. It's now. When are we going to step into who we're called to be? Philip went down to Samaria. What did he do? He was just authentically who Philip was. He was a believer in Jesus Christ. And what did he do? Everywhere he went, he talked about Jesus. He shared Jesus. He was real. He was authentic. He wasn't a phony. He wasn't covering himself up everywhere he went. Every person he, he ran into, he talked about Jesus. What happened? A revival. One person. I don't know about you, but that's me. Am I going to be revival to this city? Am I going to let the Spirit of God take hold of me? Am I going to let the Holy Spirit come on me and put me on like a glove? You guys, I can tell I'm yelling too much. I got come down, come down, calm down. Now this is where it gets hard. All right, so I, I'm going to expound on this for the next few minutes. Back to what I was saying. What did Jesus do? He goes to Nazareth. Right. All of us can do the first few points, but this is where it gets hard. What does he do? He stands up in front of all the people. He makes a public declaration. This is who I am. I am the anointed one. I am here to preach the gospel. I am here to heal the sick. I am here to set the captives free. He, he made his public declaration. He came out of the closet. We talk about that like the whole, but, but how freeing is it for people to really come out of the closet? It's time for Christians to come out of the closet. Seriously. It's time, you, how freeing is it to just people know, this is who I am. I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. I'm a son of God. Yes, I'm an engineer. Yes, I'm going to do this. I'm a teacher, I'm whatever. But I am a child of the king. And I'm going to be that. Not judgmentally, 
Because I'm called to love every person on this planet with the love of Jesus. Are you with me? This is the year of declaration, Julie. We need to declare who we are. We need to declare who we are. It's, we got to stop being silent. Jesus stands up and he declares, this is who I am. And the people reject him and they throw him out. And all hell breaks loose. All hell breaks loose. But don't we want hell to break loose? Come on. Isn't that the point? Hell will break loose when the sons and daughters of God start walking in identity. Captives will be set free. Bondages will be broken. Whole cities were called to disciple nations. I, I didn't say it. He said it. Go and disciple nations. Whole nations being radically transformed. Paul said it this way, all creation groans for the revelation of the sons and daughters of God. All creation groans for the revelation of the sons and daughters of God. The creation is waiting for us to stand up and walk out identity and walk authentically in who God has made us to be. It, to me, this is the thing. It's that authentic, authentic. John, am I authentic? Am I authentic in every environment and situation? Am I really who I am? Right? Or am I afraid? Right? Am I afraid to be rejected? Am I afraid that they're going to like think less of me? Come on. Come on. Why are we in the closet? And I'm not talking about being weird. I got a whole spring. Don't be weird. I'm not talking about being weird. I'm talking about being authentic. You're the answer. You're God's answer to this world. You are God's answer to this world. To whatever space you are, you are the answer into that space. You are the answer. So start being the answer. Start living it, right? Yes, what's going to happen? As soon as Jesus declared his declaration, what they do? They kicked him out. Are they going to kick you out? Yes. I mean, just, just know it. But love them anyways. Don't, don't judge them. Don't hate them. Right? Because your identity is not rooted and grounded in what they think you are. Your identity is who he says you are. Was the father getting excited when Jesus stood up? Absolutely. He was like, yes! I've been waiting for this moment for two, th whatever. How many? Two million years. Oh, I just got in trouble there, right? Whatever. Ah, had to throw that one out there. Rejection will come. Rejection will come. But our identity is not in the fear of man. That's what that is. It's the fear. Come on, right? Let's just call it. Hey, do I struggle with the... I struggle with the fear of man. Let's just be real. We all struggle with the fear of man. But that doesn't make it right. That doesn't make it, right? It doesn't make it right. It doesn't make it less... We should never, our identity has to be rooted and grounded in who we are in Christ. 
So this is why this is such a big step, because if you want to come in and be rooted and grounded and stand the test of identity, then you need to stand up and make a declaration of who you are. You need to make a public declaration. I'm a follower of Jesus, and he loves you. Oh, I don't follow Jesus. I hate Jesus. I, I, that's just religion. What, I mean, just think of every response that you could I don't care. He loves you. I love you. And that's not going to change. Right? And then when you're there every day and you're not afraid of their rejection any longer, you know what's going to happen? They're going to soften. They're going to be touched with the presence of God. That the rejection of his identity and his greatness was not his problem. It was a problem within the people. And it's the same way in this world. And I don't say, we don't say that judgmentally, right? We don't say that like, oh, you know what I mean? The world's got a problem. We know the world's got a problem. A major problem. But Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer. Right? I don't condemn somebody for having cancer, right? We don't, you know, and they might respond to me ugly or, or what because they're going through difficult situations and circumstances, but I don't condemn them. I just keep loving on them, right? Because I know I'm not the problem. They're not rejecting me. They're rejecting him, and that's their problem. We need to be comfortable in our own skin. Listen, you have got to own it. Own who you are. Listen, this, I've had the greatest breakthrough in my life, and I'm still growing and learning, and, but I've had the greatest breakthroughs in my life is when I own who I am. I am, you know what? I, you know who I am? I am a professor, a teacher at, 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 that life, loves to pray for students. That's who I am. You come to me, I will pray for you. I'm that person. I'm going to tell you about Jesus. I'm going to tell you how much he loves you. I'm not going to condemn you. I'm not going to reject you. That's who I am. Own who you are. Own who you are. And make a public declaration. Right? Listen, you'll have so much freedom. You'll have so much freedom when you begin to stand up like Jesus did and say, I am the anointed one sent by God to love this world, to bring him back, to reconcile this world back to the Father. Amen. Let's stand up. I've been yelling too much. Everybody's quiet. I'm so sorry. I get excited. I get excited. Woo. Come on. I love Jesus. And he loves us, right? Now, who, who needs a revelation of the love of God in your life? Yeah? Raise your hand. Yeah. I need that. I need it. Come on, worship team. Where's the, you guys come on up. I'll pray us in here. See, I stand up here, I'm about to fall, I stand up here and I preach, okay? And listen, like this message right here that I'm just sharing with you, probably the most challenging message is for me to preach. Why? Because I have to live this out. But I'm not going to let that fear of, 
of like screwing it up or messing up. I might go out and mess this up tomorrow, but I'm a work in process, right? Don't let a little bit of mess up here. If you have a bad day, if you have a bad day, what did Paul say? He said, I forget the past and I press forward into to what God has called me to. I don't let what happens back there because what happens back there has been bought by the blood of Jesus. It's in the sea of forgetfulness, right? It's been completely redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. So why am I bringing it up? I can't do anything about that, right? I screwed this up last week. I didn't live out identity last week. Come on, right? Either did you. We're not there yet. Paul said, I'm going to press forward for the prize. I'm going to press into it, right? So, Father, we, we ask you to come. God, the path forward is, is not being better, doing right, acting, changing, different. It's not that. It's the revelation that you love us. It's the revelation that you'll never leave us nor forsake us. It's the revelation of who we are. Holy Spirit, would you just come right now and just release that into our hearts as we cry out to you, Lord. We just want more of you. I love that Paul declares that, I'm, sum, I'm summarizing, he says, basically he says that we don't find Father's love. Father loves, it's in our weakness that Father's love finds us. He said, I'll boast in my weaknesses because we are, our strength is made perfect in weakness. And so, Lord, as we come before you, God, we come and, God, we, we just, we boast in our weaknesses. And we just ask you to come, Holy Spirit, and impart your word and impart your truth and impart your love into our hearts now in Jesus' name.